What's going on, everyone? We got a special guest here today to talk about all the things going on with the Memphis Grizzlies. And you know that starts with none other than Job Morant. Howard Beck joins us here on Locked On Grizzlies. Stay tuned for that as we lock in on Locked On Grizzlies. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. everyone and welcome back to locked on grizzlies got a special edition for you on today i'm joined by howard beck one of the best truly in the business uh by far uh someone i've read for a long time and followed his work whether it was in la whether it was at bleacher report uh si wherever he's been uh one of the best in the business howard how you doing today doing great michael thanks for the uh kind intro appreciate it good to see you Good to see you too. Good to see you too. Uh, I was I was talking to Joe uh, yesterday about how uh, last season when I was having my first season, I was like Howard was someone who was immediately approachable and and you know it was easy to talk to you about you know certain things that were going on around the Grizzlies and things like that. So uh, very appreciative of of you being one of those guys who you know is very approachable. I think a lot of times a lot of younger reporters are like, uh, do I want to say something? Do I and, and but you made that easy, so uh, thank you for that. But uh, thank you for tuning in. Um, thank you, everyone else, for tuning in to Locked On Grizzlies today. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Uh, look, go to birddogs.com right now, slash locked on NBA. And when you enter the free promo code, you get enter the promo code locked on NBA, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler. With every order. Look, I got mine and, and it's the summertime, right? Those Yetis are gonna come in handy. So go over to birddog.com uh right now. Now, Howard, that we got you here. Uh, we gotta talk about one of the biggest topics in the NBA right now. And there are so many angles uh, that we can hit on this from, and that's the John Morant situation. I've talked a lot about it. I've tried to give, you know, all hit from all the perspectives, you know, how it affects you know, the luxury tax, how, you know, it affects the Grizzlies and their plans this summer, how it affects John Morant and everything around him, how it affects his business, how it affects his mental, all of these angles. But Howard, where I want to start with you is what was your initial reaction when you saw uh, the second video? And I mean, it was a, I think it was on a, a Sunday when it surfaced, it was May 14th. And it felt like we were in the same position as two months before. I think it was the same reaction everybody had where like it pops up on your Twitter feed and you're like, like there's this, this disconnect. It feels like, did somebody just repost the thing from before? Like, wait, this is a new, no, this can't be a new. Oh my God. It's a new thing. That's another thing. (laughs) Like, Holy crap. Um, And your heart just sinks, you know, because you know, it was, it was even from a distance, it's tough to see, you know, it's, it's tough to see players make mistakes like this in the league. And, you know, I've been doing this, you know, uh, as you alluded to for a little while, um, yeah. 26 years I've been covering the league. And so, and in the late nineties, early two thousands, I think there were a lot more of these kinds of incidents and concerns with players during that era. I feel like this is actually now um, much more rare, which is to the credit of, of, of everyone. Um and so I think they hit a little bit harder now when it does happen. And especially, 
you know, when it's a player of, of, of Jaws caliber, Jaws importance, Jaws um, abilities and his, his, you know, expected trajectory as a bright young star in this league, um, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to see anybody, no matter what their talent level, what their position in the league, make uh, mistakes that are as as alarming as, as as this, or to have a pattern of conduct. And that's the other thing that struck me too uh, along the way here, to Michael, is like, mm-hmm. it's not just that there's another video of Jaw waving what appears to be a firearm, having already been in, in you know gotten into trouble for doing this a couple months before. Mm-hmm. It's that there is a lot of very credible reporting by the Washington Post by the athletic by other outlets about other incidents that also just kind of raise a variety of concerns about his conduct and um and and the way that he's he's handling himself off the court and so just your heart sinks because you know you know you know how this goes like we're reporters and on some level we are distanced and jaded and that's part of the deal right it's right i've 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 in my more cynical moments when someone brings something up i'll say look you know what it's not my job to care i just cover the league it's i got i have no emotional investment in teams or players or anybody else that's glib and that's not the entire truth the, the real truth is like um, I'm a, someone who's always tried to approach this, this job with great empathy and the longer i've been around the league i think the more that case is where um, you want to see people have have the best, right? Not everybody can win. Not everybody can win a championship. But you do want to see people have a certain measure of success, and you want to see people get the best out of their careers, whether they're coaches or players or GMs or whoever. And, you know, um, I, this, this is a fantastic league, and I've covered a lot of incredible people uh, over the last quarter century. Yeah. Um, and so – you know, and I don't have a lot of experience with jaw. We've had maybe only a couple of conversations, but yeah, like everybody else, like I'm, you know, totally captivated by his play. And he's, he always, always has come across as a, a really steady dude besides like somebody who you think this is going to be a great face of the league. This is a guy who can carry the torch. And so, yeah, your heart sinks a little bit. Um, and, and you, and you just, you wonder about, you know, what he's going through that he could be so cavalier, frankly, yeah, about about this. So um, I don't know where this is leading. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. But uh, in terms of, you know, the consequences, but, uh, you know, I hope he's got some good people around him who are uh, trying to to straighten things out. Yeah. And I want to talk to you a little bit about Adam Silver and his approach to this, because you, you just touched on it. We really don't know what's going to happen, but I know you you've had you have a relationship with Adam Silver. You've interviewed him you know, in the past and things like that. So from what you know about Adam Silver, whether it was deputy commissioner, as commissioner, uh, and his time and being, you know, in the league office, uh, what are your thoughts on how he's approaching this situation? And I guess that would lead into just what do you think uh, happens next uh, with John Morant? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. For those of us who have been around a long time, um, we're, we're constantly doing this thing where you can't help but compare how Adam handles yep. certain crises to how David Stern would have handled them. It's a different era. It's a different time. And they are very, very different people, though Adam, you know, obviously was mentored by David and, and worked closely with him for for much of his, his career. Um, yeah, David was a drop the hammer guy. David was the authoritarian and disciplinarian and especially during the time that he was commissioner, when the league did have a lot more of these kinds of concerns, right? David Stern took over at a time when drugs were a really huge mm-hmm. problem in the NBA and were threatening to sink the damn league, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, 
And so Stern goes from coming in during times of crisis in a time where they really need to make sure that, you know, that the, 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 the integrity of the league and the image of the league was uh, protected and preserved. And, and so they, I think he came in doing the things he had to do during his time. And then that bleeds into the 90s and the 2000s when, when David was still the disciplinarian, right? You look at suspensions from the Malice at the Palace or Latrell Sprewell choking PJ yeah. Carlissimo, some of the other, uh, you know, the, 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 the biggest, most um, dramatic issues that he had to deal with. He was always going to err on the side of uh, heavy handedness, frankly, of, of, of the longer suspension um, and swift suspensions. And also, just even rhetorically, the way David would talk about it, it he was kind of like the, the no-nonsense commissioner and, and, and kind of a zero-tolerance guy. Adam comes in at a different time. The league is in a much different place. And he's just wired differently. Mm-hmm. You could see he's had a more collaborative approach with the Players Association. You could see he's had a stronger bond just with the players, period, right? Yeah. Like, um, I don't think David was beloved by too many uh, players <laughs> during his time. A lot of them respected him appreciated him some had very good working relationships with him i don't think they had a real affection for the man yeah um but but adam it, it's a it's a different uh it's a different vibe and so take all that into account and adam's own uh approach has been more of like let's do what we have to do to ensure the same things right integrity of the league image of the league accountability but we don't have to go too far let's do Let's do it. I don't want to say it's like the bare minimum or a minimum threshold, but let's do what we have to do without overdoing it, if that's uh, a yeah. way to put it. And yeah. that's been his approach. So you saw it when he suspended Ja for the first gun incident. Right. It ends up being eight games. Adam was measured, I think, in the way he approached it. He made it clear that this is a very serious issue that the league um, had to take seriously, but he wasn't going to try to like make an example out of him or overdo this or try to humiliate Ja. It was more coming from a, a position of, of empathy and, and concern for mm-hmm. uh, Ja and, and his, his, his just overall life, right? Like we want right. to make sure he's getting whatever help and support he needs so that these kinds of things aren't happening. Treating the, the gun incident as a, uh, a symptom as opposed to the main thing, right? There's something bigger going on here. And I think that that is the way that Adam generally approaches this. You see the tenor of his tone or the tenor of his words and his tone has changed a little bit now with this second incident. He, he's clearly sounding like in his interview with Malika on ESPN in other comments he's made, like he's, he's feeling, I think a little burned. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, like I, I don't know where this is leading. He has alluded to the idea that a decision has probably already been made and he's just waiting to announce mm-hmm. it after the finals. Um, but he certainly sounds like for the, maybe for the first time during his commissionership, like he's going to have to really drop the hammer on someone. Yeah, which is which is telling. And, and I know that's something that a lot of people hear, like what I've been hearing you know, locally is this, this number at 30, right? Because the Miles Bridges, and that's kind of what they're, using as a, a comparative number, like, oh, you see a lot of people say, oh, maybe half a season and things like that. But here they're saying there's no way he gets suspended more than 30 games because Miles Bridges' suspension, you know, last season and him actually committing the crime and all that. So you have, you know, that angle. But I think you also pointed out something that was important as well, and it's the fact that, you know, yes, you know, the incident may not be, you know, criminal, uh, so to speak, but it's more of Adam Silver maybe getting a hold of something before it gets, 
you know, uh, reaches, you know, a whole different level, you know, with the, with the guns and things like that. So uh, that's part of it as well. But uh, thank you for, you know, your insight on, on that topic, because it's, it's clearly been one of the biggest things in the NBA right now. And look, I don't think that that subject's going anywhere. No. And I just would add one other thing, which is that I think whatever Adam Silver, whatever the league does um, with this next suspension regarding jaw, I, I think it's going to take into account all that other stuff too. Like this isn't yeah. just about he waved a gun once and it was eight games. And now he waved a gun a second time on right. Instagram. And so now we have to, it's, it's compounded by the fact that there has been a pattern of behavior, reported behavior, I should say, alleged behavior. Right. But like mm-hmm. there's, you know, credible um, reporting on, on all of this. And it's not just from those media outlets. It's from, you know, you know, law enforcement authorities in, in, yep. in a variety of places. And the league, and I will just say this too, I always try to bring this up. Whatever it is we think we know as the public, whatever's been reported, there's usually more and the league knows it and we don't. And the reason I know this is because, well, there's a pattern of this, right? There's, there's years of history yeah. of this, but the league has its own security division that is staffed by former uh, cops, former FBI agents, and they are digging into everything. I guarantee you. And just because uh, we don't know all of it and maybe all of it hasn't come out, there is always more to this that the league has found out than even the local authorities sometimes have ferreted out. So um, if there's anything else that is going to weigh into this decision, things that have been reported, things that haven't been reported, or maybe more details about some of those stories, the league knows. I guarantee you the league knows, and I guarantee you that that will factor into the way they decide this next discipline. Yeah, that reminds me of when uh, Carmelo Anthony said that uh, David Stern, you know, reached out to him and, and basically told him he was watching him or, or or something like that, or he knew, you know, he knew what he was doing uh, yeah. and, and kind of told him to uh, get out of Baltimore or whatever the case may have been uh, with that situation. But uh, very good points there from uh, Howard Air and Thank you guys for tuning in to Locked on Grizzlies today. Coming up, we're going to talk, we're going to switch gears a little bit, and we're going to talk about how to replace Dylan Brooks, because that's another big one, right? Dylan Brooks is also one of the biggest topics in the NBA. That seemed to be a common thing with the Grizzlies uh, this season. But before we get to that, I want to talk to you about eBay Motors, because Dylan Brooks may not be a fit on the Grizzlies anymore, but for a championship team, it's all about making sure that every player is the perfect fit. And it's the same way with eBay Motors because it's the same way when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head over to eBay Motors with eBay Guaranteed Fit. You can be sure that every part you need fits just right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part that will fit. Or you can just get your money back because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over $122 million, 122 million parts to choose from. You'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices right now on ebaymotors.com. That's all you have to do. Go over to ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items and exclusions do apply. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about Dylan Brooks and how the Grizzlies should approach his situation and that opening in free agency coming up on Locked on Grizzlies. Welcome back to Locked on Grizzlies, everyone. I'm joined here by Howard Beck himself. And now we we just touched on John Moran. I know that's what everyone wants to to talk about. 
And I don't want to spend 30 minutes talking about John Morant because, you know, I've been talking a lot about John Morant. The Grizzlies have some other pressing things. Like, if this team wants to reach the, a championship, which is their goal, which we'll talk about if you're tuning in on YouTube, you can see our third segment says close to title contention. We'll get to that later. But the thing is, how do the Grizzlies go forward with potentially uh, replacing D- Dylan Brooks? There have been the reports out there that the Grizzlies have no intent on bringing uh, Dylan back. And uh, now that leads me to asking you, Howard, just how do you see this situation uh, playing out? Because right now I've, I've kind of touched on how the roster construction is a little tricky for the Grizzlies. Right now. You got one roster spot that's currently open, but you got a first round pick. You got a second round pick and you got a bunch of guys that you extended last season. So it's like you're going to have to make a trade. You're going to have to trade those. Like, there's not enough room to roster all these guys. But that small four vacancy being left with Dylan Brooks, just how do you think that plays out? Well, I will, I'll start here. This is a really smart front office, and obviously they've been uh, dealt with dealt some challenges here um, with two primary players. But they've, you know, we've seen this. where They've drafted well. They've managed the salary cap well. Mm-hmm. They've made some smart deals along the way. Um, and you make a very good point. They're going to have to do some maneuvering um, as they head into this, into this off season, whether that means trading those picks, whether that means packaging some of their young players, they need, they need to loosen up roster spots and payroll, but also, you know, you want all of those pieces um, available to you at the moment, because I, you know, this is a team that's knocking on the door. Right. And, and I'll, 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 I'll preface it with this. And I know I don't want to skip ahead to the, to the final segment, but when you are trying to build, and especially with a young team and trying to build toward title contention, um, there are timing issues, right? Is, is our team ready? Like when, when's the time to hit the gas and bring in some, some veteran reinforcements? Um, how do you manage it with regard to, Hey, we've got two young guys who are already on basically max deals and a third guy, yeah. uh, Desmond Bain coming up for one. You needed to, to be mindful of that and your salary cap, especially under this new CBA with, it's not just like, luxury tax issues, which are always tough for small market teams. But now under the new CBA, you're going to lose all kinds of cap exceptions and all kinds of flexibility to keep adding to your roster if if your payroll gets too high. So there's all these things that they've got to monitor and all of that affects the way they're going to handle the Dylan Brooks situation. Um, They've got options, right? They could use them in a sign and trade. They could let them walk away, period. If, If we take it as a given that he's gone, uh, one, I'll say this. There are folks around the league who will say with without hesitation, they're better off letting him go that and it's not to overemphasize like they didn't they didn't lose in the playoffs because of Dylan Brooks and like his poking the bear is not the reason that they were out when they were. But his general demeanor or the instability that brings, not to mention just some of the offensive liabilities, those are concerns. Um, I, I, I you know, the, the second I brought this up to somebody the other day. Mm-hmm. The first words out of their mouth uh, was OG Ananobi. I yeah. said, what do they do? They said, OG Ananobi. I said, okay, yeah, but we don't even know if the Raptors are going to trade OG Ananobi and it could cost a, a boatload. But that's the belief of this person. Again, I don't want to jump ahead to the final segment, but like, mm-hmm. and this is another executive. They might be one OG Ananobi away from title mm-hmm. contention. Mm-hmm. That, like, that is, that is a, a fair uh, assessment. So let me back up one more time. Um, before you get to any of that, we got to come back to Ja. How long is he going to be out? We don't know, right? So if it's half the season, again, timing issues. Is this the time to push all your chips in? 
Maybe not. If you think this might be a lost season, um, how confident are you in? And look, Tyus Jones has been, you know, not just the best backup point guard in the NBA, but certainly the best fill-in point guard. And yeah. they've unfortunately had a lot of periods of time over the last couple of years <laughs> where he's had to be the guy when Jaws been out for injury or suspension. Uh, so, I don't, I don't know what the Grizzlies front office is thinking in, in that regard. But you do have to think about: is this a lost season? Because Jaws going to be out so long, it's going to handicap us to the extent that that we, that we should just we should start planning for 2024, 25 instead. Or are you looking at it as you know, hey, look, if it's on the shorter side, 20 games, 25 games, if it were in that range, and I, I don't know, so I don't mean to raise anybody's hopes, but that's a couple months. Teams start off without a guy for a couple. They start off last season without Jaron Jackson for yeah, the first exactly. couple months, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can you can probably survive that. Forty games, you know, it, it gets a little bit tougher. Um, so you first have to decide whether you're all in for the coming season. And if you are, then yeah, uh, you know, you're banging on Masai Ujiri's door about OG Ananobi. You might be banging on Sean Marks's door about Mikael Bridges. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were I think this was reported last year. I've, I've heard this, but I'm pretty sure it's been out there, too, that the Grizzlies had offered four firsts yeah. to get Mikhail from Phoenix. Yeah. Right. So why wouldn't they try again? And I think the Nets are probably in a dealing position right now. Um, I don't know if Mikhail Bridges is, is truly available or how available or what the cost would be. But got to think the Nets are listening to just about everything right now. Um and so, like, the, you know, that's that's the level I would want to go to. You know, there's there's a uh, there's a next level down or a couple levels down, like a Josh Hart would be great. But mm-hmm. Josh Hart's bird rights are owned by the Knicks uh, by all, every indication, I think, is, is that he's probably going to resign with the Knicks and stay. But like Josh Hart would be a phenomenal fit. Um, oh, yeah. and exactly. I think the right kind of player and kind of just a high character guy, too, for a team that that's trying to kind of push through, you know, some choppy waters here. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Josh Hart. I mean, that be he he fits that that ruggedness that they that yeah. uh, Memphis is known for as well. So uh, I could see you know him being a fit as well. One of, so one more angle that I want to ask you about is as it pertains to like this Dylan Brooks you know equation and and you touched on it a little bit, but uh, the John Morant situation. Do you think those are directly tied in? Like if you would you handle this as uh John Morant, depending on how long he's suspended, does that affect the aggressiveness that you think the front offices should have, whether it's uh to making a trade or to not making a trade uh as it pertains to filling the Dylan Brooks vacancy? I so my my first instinct is to say that if he's gonna be out a long time, you might be punting on this season. But I would also say though, as I, I'm gonna contradict myself here. <laughs> if you think you if you think your team is that is that one move away, right? Like I was yeah. saying earlier, an yeah. Ananobi away or a Mikhail Bridges away or whatever, your team's young. Your team's young, and whatever moves you're making, you're not just making for this season. You're making for the next three to five years. So you do it when the opportunity is there. Especially in today's NBA, everything is about opportunism and timing. Um, you know, we've seen like all of these moves, right? Like like the Cavs had no thought like a, maybe a year ago at this time. Well, no, let's say not a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago at this time, the Cavs probably had no yeah. thought that they were going to go all in and go spend yeah. everything they had to go get Donovan Mitchell. Right. They had right. a cool young core, nice young core, Darius Garland and, uh, and Jared Allen and, and they drafted Evan Mobley and they're feeling good or whatever. And then it's like, Oh wow. Donovan Mitchell's available. <laughs> we can go get him. Mm-hmm. So now suddenly you're all in. So it's, it's timing and opportunity, right? 
um, the Grizzlies don't necessarily have to be in a, in a mode to go all in right now. But if, if Bridges or Ananobi or somebody of that caliber becomes available and you have the means to get him, you don't wait because even if you thought this coming year is a, is a lost cause, let's say you thought Jaw was going to be suspended the entire season and there's no chance of making a deep playoff run. Mm-hmm. I could still make the case again, contradicting my earlier point, but you, I could still make the case that you, you go and get the guy because that same guy or a caliber of that guy may not be available a year from now. And you're not planning just for this coming season. You're planning for three to five years. Um, again, very smart front office in Memphis, smarter than I am. And they know what they're doing. I, I suspect I suspect that the way they're looking at it is more of that three to five year window. We're going to get through this thing with Ja. He's going to be back whether whenever it's going to be. We're going to get through this thing. He's he's you know, he's our franchise guy. Um, we have great pieces around him. We, we, we you know, we need a little good, good luck and good health for once. Um, but yeah. If if one of those impact players becomes available, two way wing, um, three and D guy, or you know three and D plus, right? Like not just yeah. three and D, but three plus, maybe can put the ball on the floor a little bit and, and do some other things. I think you go get him. Yeah, uh, and now that leads us to to our our final segment. We talked about John Morant. We talked about uh, how to replace Dylan Brooks, and those are the two biggest factors I think. That'll lead into the Grizzlies and potential title contention. We'll talk about that with Howard Coda. But before we get to that, I want to talk to you guys about Bird Dog. See, I finally got me a pair of Bird Dog shorts. And, and you know what I did? Is I, I went down and I went to the pool. Went to the pool. Wore my Bird Dog shorts to the pool. Let me tell you something. These, are, these, these fit pretty well. I was swimming through the pool. I felt like Michael Phelps when I was in my bird dog shorts. So make sure you go check, get your bird dog shorts as well. All you got to do is go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA and enter the promo code locked on NBA for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NBA for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. Look, we promise you because look, I got my bird dogs and, and and I went swimming in them, but I, I felt like next I'm gonna go to the go to the golf course down here in Memphis over there in South Wind and see if I can feel like Tiger Woods. I'm already feeling like Michael Phelps, but go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA uh, to get your bird dogs. Coming up next, we're gonna talk title contention with the Grizzlies. Stay tuned for that. Welcome back to Locked On Grizzlies here. Uh, we've touched on some of the biggest offseason topics regarding the Grizzlies here. I'm joined by Howard Beck. Uh, we touched on John Morant. We touched on this, uh, the topic of a potential suspension and how Adam Silver will handle that situation. We touched on Dylan Brooks and that vacancy. And now all of that leads to here. You look at the last two seasons, Howard, what the Grizzlies have done. Uh, number two seed, number two seed. Now only one series win to show for it over the last couple years. And people in Memphis are starting to, you know – Making the playoffs isn't enough anymore. Two years ago, the 50-win season, they lost to Golden State. Everyone was still, ah, oh, fine, we're fine, we'll be back. And then last season, I mean this season, you lose to the Lakers, and it's like, all right, this offseason is the most important offseason, arguably, in Grizzlies franchise history. Uh, how, how close do you think this team is to, to kind of getting over that hump, you know, in, in, the, in the category of the Lakers, the Nuggets, uh, potentially maybe the Suns uh, and, and those type teams, the Warriors. How close are the Grizzlies to, to winning the Western Conference and, and breaking into title contention? 
Yeah, I mean, I alluded to it earlier, DeMichael. Like, they're close. They're close. Um, you can see it in their record. You can see it in their, you know, their defensive rating year to year. You could see it mm-hmm. um, in their home record. You can see it just in the, in the talent that's on the floor. Like, do they need more shooting? Yes. Uh, do they need, you know, again, the Dylan Brooks replacement? Do they need to get through this John Morant drama? Do they need to just kind of get their head on straight a little bit, maybe grow up a little bit? Mm-hmm. Fair. All of that's fair. But on talent and just the composition of this team, um, they're they're knocking on the door. And look, I, I see no shame in losing to a LeBron James, Anthony Davis team. Um you know, like that, like that's a team with just a, a you know, thousand years of, of experience yeah. and titles and everything else. This is the nature of the NBA. Like Michael Jordan had to get knocked down how many times in the playoffs before he broke through. Yeah. Um, I started my career in 97 covering the Lakers with Shaq and Kobe. That was their uh, second year together. I watched them get swept by the jazz. I watched them get, <laughs> you know, pummeled by the Spurs. Like, they had to take their lumps. And we're talking about two of the greatest players in NBA history. And they were young. I mean, Shaq was was already like mid-prime, but Kobe was obviously really young. Um, and that team needed to learn some lessons. That That's just the, the – the, what are those immutable uh, laws of the NBA? If you are yeah. young and talented and you got all the potential in the world, the older team that might be a little slower than you, that might not jump quite as high as you – they're going to knock you on your butt a couple of times. You're going to have to learn some lessons about how to win at the highest level and how to be consistent. Um, so I understand like in any given market, any given fan base, there's going to be some impatience and, and feel like, how come we haven't gotten further yet? But like, to me, they're, they're right on or even still a little bit ahead of schedule. Um, and I look at the Western conference. Yeah. Um, all right. The nuggets are in the finals as you and I speak they're they're young and they're going to stay together for, I think, years to come. So the Nuggets aren't going anywhere. Right. But look at the rest of that conference. And the Kings aren't going anywhere either because they're young. But the Kings, you know, look, the, the Kings don't have the defense of, of the Grizzlies, right? Like the Kings, I'm not saying they've reached a ceiling, but I think the Kings, like the bumpy parts are still to come. Like they finally broke right. through, ended their playoff drought. They've got work to do to take the next step. Um but like the Suns are built around a much older Kevin Durant right now. The Lakers are built around an older LeBron James. The Warriors have an older Steph, Clay, Draymond. Um, the Clippers cannot stay healthy with with Kawhi and, and Paul George. Um, I don't know how much longer that's going to last. Those guys are both in the final year of their contracts unless they get extended. Point being, the Grizzlies are already near the top of the conference. And a lot of the other teams that are, you know, that are that are part of the, the group that you have to get through in the playoffs mm-hmm. are are going to start turning the corner and going the wrong direction soon. Now, there will be some other teams coming up, right? Like the Thunder are ready to break through and be a force in the West. Uh, if the Pelicans can keep Zion healthy, oh. they're going to be a force in the West. Um as I say, Nuggets and Kings aren't going anywhere. So, like, there's always going to be a group to deal with, but a lot of the power structure that exists is built around older stars and so the grizzlies have youth and time on their side and you know again if if Ja comes back with enough time left next season which i think he will if they do swing a trade for an impact wing they're going to be right in the mix next spring yeah and you you touched on right there uh the last thing i want to talk to you about and it's it's like this conversation about cores Mm because 
even you know before I started covering the NBA, kind of just being a historian of the game, uh, you see a lot of teams, not even the ones who win championships over a long period of times, but a lot of teams that have sustainable success for eight, nine, ten years. Usually, it's like a core group of players that stay, and then everything around them pretty much changes. You think Golden yeah. State, you know, Steph Curry, Clay, Draymond. Iguodala and everything around them has changed. You know, the Shaq, Kobe, you know, era, a lot of pieces, you know, were moving around, you know, during that time, you know, just key, key players coming in and out. Uh, you think, you know, so many, so many other teams, uh, that being the case, but as with the Grizzlies, just want to think, get your thoughts on that core. Like, is it, is it enough? Uh, John Morant, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., potentially, whoever uh, that that fourth piece may be. But with those three guys in particular, where they are at this point of their careers, uh, Jaws on his second contract entering this season. Jaren's going to have his second contract. Dez is about to get his uh, this summer. Uh, how do you see that core kind of being in the conversation in the West uh, for the years to come? Yeah, no, actually, you know what? That's a that's a great way of putting it, Michael. Like, it's, it's not just whether you have good young talent. It's like, do you have like two to three – like mm-hmm. absolute building blocks who, you know, you know, these guys could be together and actually play well off each other too. Right. Cause sometimes we see some mismatched, mismatched yeah. young talent, right. Stars who duplicate each other too much. The beauty of those three guys is like, there's no duplication. There's no overlap. There's no, Oh, they've got stars, but who's going to get the ball. No, like the <laughs> jaws, the primary ball handler and playmaker clearly Jaron Jackson jr. Uh, can do a, a lot with the ball in his hands and is a very versatile modern big by the way, another big plus there where if one of your best young players is a versatile mobile big who is an elite shot blocker at one end and can shoot at the other end and has has range and can score from a variety of places, um, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty nice place to start. And then Desmond Bain, two way player, you know, great defender, shooter. Yeah, like I don't you know, every every core is different. Every, you know, it's often like duos and sometimes trios, right? The Warriors have had the good fortune to have drafted a trio um, in the way that, that the Grizzlies have. Different composition, right? And their three mm-hmm. guys are different. But similar in that Steph and Clay were a great backcourt tandem who could play off each other. And, yeah, Steph wasn't a great defender early in his career. He's become much, much better. Clay mm-hmm. was a great defender, though, and a great shooter and complimented Steph. And, and Clay was a guy who played really well off the ball. Like, again, Ja and Desmond Bain are very different, but right. similar in that they're well matched. They they're a, they're a good pairing, and then having Jaron Jackson Jr. because you know you do need somebody anchoring the front court at both ends. Um, I I like it. Like I, there's I, there's not a single bad thing I could say about structurally that core, other than going into this new CBA, it's going to be a lot harder to keep a group together as long as the Warriors have. Um, for all the obvious reasons, luxury tax stuff, losing cap exceptions and flexibility. Like it's, it's, it's going to be a challenge, but again, it's a, it's a great front office. They'll figure it out. And again, that's why when I bring up the timing issues of making the all in move, you don't want to get too expensive too fast because then there's repeater Mm. taxes and you might also Mm. hit those, you know, they call it an apron, the first apron and second apron uh, that have to do with how close you are to certain thresholds uh, beyond the tax line. Now you may be putting yourself in a position to lose roster flexibility before you're really ready to contend. And most teams in this league, most ownership groups in this league are like, luxury tax, don't want to pay it. Oh, we could contend for a championship? Fine, I'll pay for it as long as we're contending. 
But the second we're not contending, or if we don't have a shot, no way I'm spending an extra 30, 40 or a hundred million dollars just to lose in the second round. So it, again, it's, it's tricky, but do they have the potential outline or the outline of a potential championship core with those three guys? Yeah, absolutely. The challenge will be finding those great role players um, and probably multiple times, right? Cause you get guys, their, their value rises a little bit. You might lose them um, to another team that's got cap room. Now you got to replace them. You don't have all the flexibility. Like that's the real challenge, right? Like it's really, you know, it's hard to get the guys, right? The stars. Yeah, yeah. Then it's hard to find. Then you got to find the right role players and be able to keep them and pay them. So, um, yeah, the NBA don't make it easy. Yeah, I know that's right. I know that's right. Uh, Howard, appreciate you uh, today for joining to us today, and for all the Locked On Grizzlies uh, people out there, make sure you continue to uh, subscribe, comment, rate, review, all those good things on the show. Remember, you can find us everywhere: Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Locked On Grizzlies is everywhere uh make sure you continue to follow all howard's uh nba coverage as well his twitter twitter handle is located below that's at howard beck on twitter and you can follow me at the michael c as we chronicle uh the most interesting off season in grizzlies franchise history here howard appreciate you for tuning in and you know uh just coming to kick it with us on lockdown grizzlies i appreciate it thanks for having me All right, that'll wrap it up for today, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Locked On Grizzlies. Me and Joe Mumnax will be back for tomorrow's edition, so stay tuned for that. And until next time, we'll see you guys on Locked On Grizzlies.